Oh, yay. Oh, yay. This is SCOTUS Talk, a nonpartisan podcast about the Supreme Court for lawyers and non-lawyers alike. Brought to you by SCOTUS Blog. Senate Judiciary Committee will come to order. Wednesday was the third day of Senate Judiciary Committee hearings for Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson's nomination to the Supreme Court. We are bringing you coverage of the hearings all week on SCOTUS Talk and SCOTUS Blog. If you have a question you'd like answered, please write us at scotustalk at scotusblog.com or leave us a voicemail at 202-596-2906. If you do that, please tell us your name and where you're calling from. Day three of the hearing started off with squabbling among the senators. The chairman of the committee, Democrat Richard Durbin of Illinois, admonished his colleagues for using the hearings as a campaign opportunity. His Republican colleagues then countered that he was editorializing. Senator John Ossoff of Georgia, who had not yet had his chance to ask Jackson questions for the first time, cut in to ask his colleagues to return to the task at hand. Mr. Chairman? Who's seeking Senator Ossoff? Could, could we hear from Ranking Member Grassley, and then I'd like the opportunity to ask questions on behalf of the state of Georgia. I think the American public is now tuning into these proceedings expecting a, a substantive discussion. I don't think we've set an appropriate tone by bickering over time and process. I would like to humbly request that Ranking Member Grassley make a statement, that I and Senator Tillis have our opportunity to question the nominee, and that then we can litigate uh, balls and strikes from yesterday's hearing. Would that be acceptable to the committee? I think in the name of your humility, we should do that. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. <laughs> Senator Grassley? Yeah. After that, senators each had 20 minutes for their second and final round of questions. Jackson was questioned about her views on major issues, her philosophy of, on judging, and her experience as both a public defender and a trial judge. That if, if I take a look at uh, your, your responses to um, some of my colleagues' questions um, and your statements to some of the um, uh, to some of the defendants, it seems as though you're a very kind person and that there's at least a level of empathy that enters into your treatment of a defendant that some could view as a uh, uh, maybe beyond what some of us would be comfortable with with respect to administering justice. Thank you for letting me clarify. Um, the statements that I made about my practices as a trial judge, which I'm no longer a trial judge, but um, were intended to explain how trial judges operate and how they impose sentences within the framework that Congress has provided. Uh, The statute that applies to us tells us to look at all of the various factors that Congress has set forward, including the nature and circumstances of the offense, the history of the char- and characteristics of the defendant, and it tells us that we should be imposing a sentence sufficient but not greater than necessary to promote the purposes of punishment. Congress also tells us that one of the purposes of punishment is rehabilitation. Several Republicans on Wednesday again turned to Jackson's sentencing record in a handful of child pornography cases. Experts and fact-checkers have said that Jackson's sentencing in these cases is in line with judges across the country. And you gave him, frankly, a slap on the wrist sentence of three months. Senator, Do you I regret it? I don't remember whether it was um, 
distribution or possession in the law. It was You regret it. In, in the law, there are different uh, crimes that people commit Judge, in you gave him area. three months. My question is, do you regret it or not? Senator, what I regret is that in a hearing about my qualifications to be a justice on the Supreme Court, we've spent a lot of time focusing on this small subset of my sentences, and I've tried to explain. You regret that we're focusing time. on your cases? I don't understand. No, your... no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the fact that you're talking about Child pornography seven cases. very serious cases. I'm glad we agree on that. With much of the country focused on nomination hearings, across the street, the justices were busy. In an unsigned opinion, the court threw out a ruling by the Wisconsin Supreme Court adopting a redistricting map proposed by Democratic Governor Tony Evers. The map would have increased the number of majority black districts in the state legislature. Justice Sonia Sotomayor dissented in an opinion joined by Justice Elena Kagan. At the same time, the court declined to block a ruling by the state Supreme Court adopting Evers' map for the state's congressional districts. Shortly after the ruling, Senator Amy Klobuchar and later Senator Richard Blumenthal asked Jackson about the role of the shadow docket, the emergency appeals that are decided without extended briefing and oral argument at the court. Thank you very much, uh, Chairman Durbin. Welcome back, uh, Judge Jackson. Uh, yesterday, you and I discussed the court's increasing reliance on issuing unsigned orders on its shadow docket. And less than an hour ago, um, the court once again used the shadow docket uh, to throw out Wisconsin's redistricting maps. And because this decision just came out, I don't expect you to have immediately reviewed it. Um, but just your record of... <clears throat> writing decisions that are thorough and listening to litigants in cases. Could you just generally talk about the importance of having full briefings on the merits as well as public oral arguments uh, if you believe in transparency? Thank you, Senator. As, um, as a judge in my work over the last decade, um, I've seen that it is very important, at least um, to me in my time as a judge up to date, um, to hear arguments from all sides in a case. Um, the duty of a judge in, in, um, is to make determinations and um, under our system of adversarial uh, proceedings, you make determinations uh, based on arguments, um, and and it's important to do so. I know that um, with respect to the emergency docket, I um, you haven't asked me the question about it, um, it because I would say what I said before, which is I would benefit from being able to speak with uh, the justices. I understand that there's a need to balance um, getting full briefing with emergency circumstances, and the court has long had in its um, in its procedures the ability to uh, to rule uh, quickly on various cases. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also um, 
my understanding from my time clerking on the court that the court uh, does recognize the value of allowing things to what we call percolate, meaning uh, lower courts to hear issues. And uh, my understanding is that at least in some of the recent cases, the justices have um, have had an oral argument related to some emergency matters. But from my perspective as a, a judge in the work that I've been doing, um, I know that it's important to hear from the parties. Mm-hmm. In perhaps one of the most newsworthy moments of the day, during an exchange with Senator Ted Cruz, Jackson committed to recusing herself from a challenge to Harvard University's race-conscious admissions policy. So now you're, you're on the board of overseers of Harvard. If you're confirmed, do you intend to recuse from this lawsuit? That is my plan, Senator. Okay. The justices are scheduled to hear oral argument in the case in the fall. But if she is confirmed, Jackson, who serves on the school's board of overseers, apparently won't be there. It's not clear how much of a difference Jackson's absence would make, however. The justices could still reach the main question in the Harvard case, whether to overrule their 2003 decision upholding the University of Michigan's consideration of race in its undergraduate admissions process in a different case involving the University of North Carolina, from which she wouldn't likely be recused. And in any event, conservatives would hold a solid 6-3 to three majority after Jackson's confirmation. Near the end of the day on Wednesday, Senator Cory Booker paid homage to Jackson's story, a black woman overcoming odds and breaking barriers to get to this moment. Booker compared Jackson to Harriet Tubman, who he called his icon of America. Jackson wiped tears from her face as he spoke. Nobody's going to steal that joy. You have earned this spot. You are worthy. You are a great American. Your hero is Constance Baker Motley. Mine, she has sat on my desk for my offices that I've held. She's my icon of America. Her name is Harriet Tubman. There is a love in this country that is extraordinary. You admitted it about your parents. They loved this nation, even though there were laws preventing them from getting together. When they were loving, there were laws in this country that would have prevented you from marrying your husband. It wasn't that long ago. It was last generation. But they didn't stop loving this country, even though this country didn't love them back. And so you faced insults here that were shocking to me. Well, actually not shocking. But you are here because of that kind of love. And nobody's taken this away from me. So you got five more folk to go through. <laughs> five more of us. That heck, in honor of your person who shares your birthday, you might be called a communist. But don't worry, my sister. Don't worry. God has got you. And how do I know that? Because you're here, and I know what it's taken for you to sit in that seat. Harriet Tubman, the sky was full of stars, but she found one that was a harbinger of hope for better days, not just for her and those people that were enslaved, but a, a harbinger of hope for this country, and she never gave up on America. She kept looking up. No matter what they did to her, she never stopped looking up. And that star 
It was a harbinger of hope. Today, you're my star. You are my harbinger of hope. This country is getting better and better and better. And when that final vote happens and you ascend onto the, onto the highest court in the land, I'm going to rejoice. And I'm going to tell you right now, the greatest country in the world, the United States of America, will be better because of you. Thank you. Jackson was again moved when Senator Alex Padilla of California asked her to explain what she would say to inspire those young people coming up behind her. Thank you, Senator. Um, That was very moving. And I appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak to young people. I appreciate it very much. I do it a lot for the reasons that you have articulated. I, um, I hope to inspire people to try to follow um, this path because I love this country, because I love the law, because I think it is important that we all invest in our future. And the young people are the future. And so I want them to know that they can do and be anything. And I'll just say that um, I will tell them what uh, an anonymous person said to me once. I was walking through Harvard Yard, my freshman year. As I mentioned, I went to uh, public school, and I didn't know anything about Harvard until um, my debate coach took me there to enter a speech competition, and I thought, this is a great university. It was basically one of the only ones I'd seen, and I said, maybe I'll apply when I'm a senior, but I get there, and whoa, (laughs) so different. I'm from Miami, Florida. Boston is very cold. Um, it was um, it was rough. It was different from anything I'd known. There were lots of students there who were um, prep school kids, like my husband, <laughs> um, who knew all about <laughs> knew all about Harvard, and, and that was not not me. And I think the first semester I was really homesick. I was really questioning, um, do I belong here? Can I, can I make it in this environment? And I was walking through the yard in the evening and a black woman I did not know was passing me on the sidewalk. And she looked at me and I guess she knew how I was feeling. And she leaned over as we crossed and said, persevere. I would tell them to persevere. Padilla wasn't the last senator to question Jackson. Ossoff and Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee would follow him. 
but by then the end of Jackson's time in front of the senators was clearly in sight. And although it wasn't clear how many Republican votes she will get, her confirmation seemed, as even Republicans appeared to concede, all but inevitable. When Senator Durbin gaveled the hearing to a close, Judge Jackson left the room amidst a smattering of applause, almost certainly headed toward a date with history. That's another episode of SCOTUS Talk. Thanks for joining us, and thanks to our production team. Katie Barlow, Eleanor Erskine, Angie Goh, and James Ramoser. <laughs>